If you're not a football fan, that video probably needs a little bit of explanation. Uh, that video is a video clip of Liverpool, Liverpool football fans after uh, a stunning defeat of Barcelona singing their uh, team's anthem. And the tradition of Liverpool fans singing Walk On after a victorious match is, in my view, classic human behavior. When something extraordinary happens, like what happened with that team, victory emotions tend to spill over. Uh, back in the fall of 2019, Pastor Brian and I went to uh, the Nats' uh, unexpected wild card win uh, here in D.C. And uh, after they won that game, after coming from behind, thousands of people in the corridors of Nationals Park started chanting, Beat L.A., Beat L.A., which we know they eventually did. And that seemed like a lifetime ago now, but all the memories are so good. Big victories demand a big expression. Big victories demand a big expression of emotions. So today, we conclude our summer series, Echoes from Exodus. And in this series, we've been taking a look at the incredible, miraculous, mighty redemption of God as he brought the people of Israel out of slavery and brutal oppression from Egypt and the incredible work that God did there. We see echoing all throughout the Bible and into our very lives today. In this grand story, we hear the redemptive purposes of God and we hear them echoed most fully and completely in the life of Jesus. And our theme statement for the entire series has been just as the events of Exodus shape the identity and the story of the Israelites, the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, shape the story of Christians today. Throughout the series, we've explored deep theological themes that echo from this experience, and they just tend to, to layer on top of each other over and over. Themes like God's mercy, God's unfailing love, God's incredible power, God's ultimate victory over evil as the divine warrior, how God works all the way from the essence of creation, using uh, creation to, for, to fulfill his purposes all the way into our lives today in the 21st century. My prayer is that this series has given you not only an opportunity to know more about God, but to know God better and draw closer uh, to him. Well, today our text is found in Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 21. I invite you to turn or launch your Bibles there. And as a setup to the text, we know that Moses led the people of, Egypt, led, led the people of Israel out of Egypt after the tenth and final plague. Pharaoh's army chased them to the brink of the sea with Pharaoh's army breathing down their necks. We looked at last week. It looked like they were finished but then through the mighty power, the mighty outstretched arm of God working through Moses, the sea parted, the Israelites passed through, and when the last Israelite passed through, the Egyptian army chased them, and then God crashed the sea down on the Egyptian army, and that was all she wrote. So now we find Israel on the other side of this victorious moment of deliverance. And what does she do? What does she do? She sings. She sings. 
Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 21, we read a song of victory. Let me read it for us. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your right hand, and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by. Lord, until the people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, Lord, you made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. What a song of victory. What a song of praise, the word of God for the people of God. Here's what I want us to do today, is I want us to look at the gift of song for a moment, and then I'd like us to look at the focus of our song. The gift of song, as I mentioned, we have explored some powerful theological themes in Exodus, deep themes, and you might think we'd close out this series with a review of the themes. You might think that, that at, at the other, on the other side of the sea, Moses would gather the people and start saying, okay, here's what happened. You know, sort of like a recap of the news and, 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 and teaching and, and the different themes and different aspects of God. Or, or, or you might think that what would happen next would be an exploration of the weightiest theme of all, sort of like saving the big guns for the end. Have you, you, like a fireworks show where you see just the, all the finale, the grand closing, if you will. But instead, we have this idea in Exodus of what it means to sing, what it means to rejoice, what it means to sing about the redemption and the deliverance of the Lord, 
what I would like to suggest this morning is that this idea of singing as response to God's goodness, this idea of singing as a response to God's deliverance and God's salvation, this idea of singing in humble worship and gratitude for God is every bit as important a theological theme as any we have gone over before. Why? Because singing is inescapably human. Don't ever let anyone tell you, for example, that men don't like to sing in groups. Just show them that video clip I showed you at the beginning. You know, guys would like to hear you sing a little louder in here uh, like they do at the side. Brian said, no, no kidding, Brian looked over and said, look, I've got chill bumps, you know. Singing is inescapably human. Peter Enns wrote, we sing for different reasons. Sometimes we are happy. Other times we are miserable. Sometimes we know why we sing. Other times it just comes out. We sing to remember good times and to take our minds off bad times. Singing changes our moods as well as reflects them. We, what we sing can have a tremendous influence in how we subsequently think or behave. Song can enter portals of our being that prose and logic cannot. The capacity to sing and to react to song is part of the human experience, so much so that without it, we would be truly less human. It's a powerful word there. I once heard that the ancient Greeks considered the study of astronomy, for example, to be the study of outer space as we know it, and the study of music to be the study of inner space, that space inside the human being, and that, 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 that's what the study of music seemed to, to be to the ancient Greeks. But what a beautiful gift from God that we have been given. This song that the Israelites sang on the other side of the sea has been called several different names. It's been called the Song of Moses. It's been called the Song of Miriam. It's been called the Song of Moses and Miriam. Um, my favorite title for it, though, is the Song at the Sea because that's, that's where it took place. And this song joins a great list of songs in the Bible. In the Old Testament, we have David's song in 2 Samuel. We have Deborah and Barak's song in Judges. We have Hannah's song in 1 Samuel. We have the Psalms, which is a, a song book in the middle of Scripture. And then in the New Testament, we have Mary's song as she just rejoiced because she was going to give birth to the Savior of the world. We have, we have Zechariah's song as he sang about what God would do through him and his wife Elizabeth and John the Baptist. We see Jesus and the disciples going out after the Last Supper, and they went out singing a song. We have the servant song, which is maybe one of the greatest hymns ever written in Philippians chapter 2, talking about Jesus and how he, he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. And then we have in Revelation just song after song after song being sung around the throne of God. But get this, the prophet Zephaniah tells us that God sings. He says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Can you picture that tender image? Zephaniah is referring to God singing over his people Israel, but I think we can extend that image to God singing over every one of us as his people. But that tender image of God singing over us. 
The gift of singing has nothing to do with how well you sing. It is about God's gift to you to express yourself to God with emotions that can only be expressed in song. And it is also God's gift to you for God to speak to you. That not only can we speak to God through song, but as the, 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 the Peter Enns wrote, that song is a portal in which God can speak to us in ways that prose and other uh, types of, 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 of language can speak. So God's gift is a powerful gift. So it's important then that we understand this one basic truth. That's all I want us to get today is this one basic truth. And that's the focus of our song. The focus of our song. In the 70s, Carly Simon had a hit song with the line, You're so vain. I bet you think this song is about you. Don't you? Anybody ever hear that song? If you've heard it, you'll probably sing it the rest of the week. It's very catchy too. If we're not careful when it comes to singing in the church, we can think the same way. We can have such strong preferences about singing that we lose focus and the importance of the song. And quite frankly, there are hymns and praise songs that actually focus way too much on the worshiper and not enough on God. Notice at times, even in the songs we sing, how much we might say the words I, we, and us. Nothing wrong with saying those words from time to time, but if we're not careful, we can lose focus. Does worship really happen when stanza after stanza or lyric after lyric is more about the worshiper than it is about God? We try our best to choose songs that focus squarely on God. Hank did a great job with this today. So just a few lyrics, I'll read them again that we just shared together. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong deliverer, you're the everlasting God. You do not faint. You don't grow weary. You won't grow weary. You're the defender of the weak. You comfort those in need. You lift us up on wings like eagles. That's a focus on God. Or in that second song, I'm finding myself at a loss of words. The funny thing is, it's okay. The last thing I need to do is to be heard, but to hear what you want to say, word of God, speak, pour down like rain, wash my eyes to see your majesty, be still and know that you're in this place. Let me stand rest in your holiness, word of God, speak. So when we sing these songs together, when you sing these songs to God, we need to make sure the focus is upon God and God alone. Now, there are two points of focus here. One is a focus on God's character. Just a, a few lyrics from that song at the sea. He is exalted. The Lord is the warrior. Your right hand, Lord, majestic in power. Who is majestic in holiness? The Lord reigns forever and ever. What happens when we focus on the character of God instead of ourselves? God becomes bigger. When we focus on the character of God instead of ourselves, God becomes bigger and we become appropriately smaller. Not smaller as in insignificant, but small as in we are the Lord's sons and daughters. He loves us and we look to him to provide for our needs, to protect us from harm and to never leave us nor forsake us. In our weakness, he comes to us and then gives us his strength 
As the old children's song goes, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. We never outgrow that last line, do we? When we focus on the character of God, God becomes bigger. We become appropriately smaller. Yes, our problems as we get older and our trials get bigger. Then as we get older, doesn't it make sense then that our vision for God better get bigger, right? Our vision for God, isn't it interesting? Sometimes the child, a child's vision of God is bigger than sometimes an adult's vision. What do you need from God today? Do you need His mercy and comfort? Maybe you want to sing, Savior like a shepherd, lead us much we need, thy tender care. Do you need peace for your anxious soul? Maybe you need to sing, be still and know that I am God. Do you need strength for a problem or a challenge that seems way too big? Maybe you need to sing, a mighty fortress is our God. Do you need the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit? Maybe you need to leave here singing, breathe on me, breath of God. Do you need to be reminded of the love of God, maybe you need to sing His love endures forever. The gift of song. The focus is on God's character. The second point of focus is God's activity. You heard that all throughout that song that Israel offered to the Lord over and over and over. Not only was Pharaoh's army thrown into the sea, but Pharaoh's good officers, the best officers, they sank like lead. I mean, that's pretty uh, detailed lyric, is it not? Just a few of those lines, his chariots and armies hurled into the sea, the best of Pharaoh's officers over and over. And I love this line, but you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. What happens when we focus on God's activity in worship? Our faith is deepened. When we focus on the activity of God, our faith is deepened, it's broadened, and we're encouraged to trust God's work in the future. I call this tense worship, right? We, we sing about what God has done in the past tense. That's what Israel was doing here, singing about what God had just done. We sing in the present tense as an offering of praise to God, that even as we're singing about what God has done in the past, we're reminded today, we're strengthened today, and that's an offering before the Lord. And then we sing in the future tense, believing God to work again in the future. You notice in this great psalm, or this great song, the song at the sea, there were references to future battles. So Israel was claiming in advance future victories of what was going to happen. Our focus in worship is to be our mighty, loving, awesome God. To be sure, we all want to come to worship to receive a blessing from God. We all want to come to worship to get a glimpse that maybe we have never gotten before of God. And let's be sure that as we pursue the gifts of God, that we don't lose the focus of God. Let me say that again. Let us be sure as we pursue and desire the gifts of God, that we don't lose focus 
of God. It is a grievous sin to ask for the gifts and to ignore the giver. As you read through the Bible, as you see this worship taking pattern over and over and over, sing to God, tell God who you think God is, and tell God what he's done in your life. So what do we do with this on the other side of the sea? Can I suggest we all become songwriters here at the end of the summer? Let me encourage you before the summer ends, write a song to God. Oh, it it doesn't need to rhyme. You didn't really read a rhyme there in that great song, did you, at the Song at the Sea? It doesn't need to rhyme. It doesn't need to have a, a catchy melody, but write a song to God. Write down what God has done in your life and reflect on the characteristics that we've learned about God even in this series. His salvation, mercy, His love, His righteousness, His power, His faithfulness. And if you're willing, I'd love you to share your song with me. You don't need to sing it unless you want to sing it. But I'd love to read and hear your song. Bottom line, sing the song of redemption in your life and salvation in your life, just like the Israelites did, just like the disciples did, just like the church through the ages around the world has done, just like they're doing in house churches right now in Afghanistan and in Haiti, just like we do every time we're gathered here. What do we do with this? We sing. I'm going to pray for us here, and I'm going to ask Hank to come up. Come on up, Hank. And Hank is going to lead us in a classic song about the faithfulness of God. Let's sing it like we mean it. Let's sing it like we believe it. Let's sing it like our lives depend on it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful to you for the many different ways that you give us good gifts. And Lord, it's, it's, it's important for us to acknowledge this gift from you, the gift of song. Lord, you have wired us and you've made us to express ourselves to you. Lord, just as Israel did on the other side of the sea, that other side of that victory, help us, God, to look at our salvation, to look at our redemption, to look at your activity in our lives and sing a joyful song to you. Sing a grateful song to you. Lord, in those moments when life is pressing in on us, Lord, lead us to sing a song, a prayer, a petition, a song of petition to you, a song of pleading to you, a song of counting on your promises to deliver and to guide us. So Lord God, we we come to you this morning with our song. May it be pleasing to you May it be an act, an offering of worship. May you be glorified and may Jesus be exalted. It is in your name we pray. It is in your name we sing. Amen.